0: Well, welcome to the show. I've, I'm really thrilled to have someone I've admired from a long time on the show. Um, if you haven't come across Scotty or what he's doing with the Perspective Collective, then, well, I'm kind of envious because once you discover it, you're in for a real treat. And I'm also kind of angry because what have you been doing? You should know this guy by now. But uh, as I said, I, um, I've been an admirer of Scotty for a long time. I was with him in the Shawnways community, and. I sort of slightly pride myself on being able to spot people who are destined for bigger things. And he was one of the first people who I immediately noticed. Um, he's always been extremely generous with his knowledge, which is very deep, but there's a tenacity uh, to what he does, which completely explains why he's so successful at what he does. Um, I wanted to bring him on because I really liked that his message of a balance of patience and hard work um, combined with being extremely generous and honest, and what he's developed with uh, his business and his style and all his merch and his following and the podcast i mean and the speaking i mean it goes on and on but like i said i think for for me and for the group it's a privilege to have someone of his caliber on to talk about where he came from or how he got started so all i can say is thank you so much for coming on especially with the time differences i really appreciate it
1: of of course man i'm honored to be here you you definitely uh have me feeling very good this morning so I appreciate the kind words and yeah thanks for you know having me on today
0: dude it's true I I think I find a lot of the people I've talked to who I you know I admire they're so humble. that's the irony it's kind of like you talk to me like you do know kind of how fantastic you are I kind of it's good I think they're good to be reminded because the good people are kind of too busy just being nice and generous so like I said it was you know I thought I'd just be honest
1: I appreciate it and it's it's kind of weird because Probably many of your audience doesn't know is that I hold down a day job. So, you know, I live in this. I I clock in, I do my thing in the web design, UI, UX world, branding, illustrations, and then I clock out. And you know, I clock into my dream. And at the same Mm -hmm. time, it's it's hard to have a big head when you're just someone with student loan debt working at a day job. And then you know, you got to grind. You only have so much time in a day. And you know, I want my dream to happen so badly. So that's where the tenacity comes from. I, I know what not living up to my pe- potential feels like and, you know, I don't want to be that person anymore.
0: No, but I think your honesty about doing that and balancing that is refreshing because there's a lot of, um, it's very, I find that certainly with the way people put themselves out there, it's quite disheartening because you, you see a lot of projection, a lot of people making things up and not being honest. Uh, and it isn't particularly glamorous, but for me, that insight into, yeah, I'm able to produce all of this and hold down a job um, so that it's not, it, you know, it's it's not only that it's possible, but there aren't many excuses because you've got um child, young child as well, haven't you? Yeah. A little, young boy as well. So it's kind of we're throwing in quite a lot, a lot of excuses to stop and go, look, you know what? I've got stuff on. I'm just going to knuckle down on, you know, keeping my job and enjoying my family. But the fact you push against that, um, it's nice to see you having success. I've really noticed um, in the podcast, it's probably like it's really picking up. You've hit over 100 episodes already, which is amazing.
1: Yeah, it's uh it, it's definitely catching some steam right now. It's it's pretty cool. It's definitely the thing I feel I'm most called to do after not feeling very confident in it for a while and now it's like yeah, it's like a, a switch recently flipped and I'm like, "Yep. Let's go for the next 100." So.
0: Yeah, that's I I I can see it's um it's the people when they get into the hundreds they kind of you you see a difference change of gear there's like a sort of ease and it's like there's a kind of respect and consistency but i think what would be great would be um if you if you're okay just to go back and tell you kind of your story of how you got here how you started out how you fell in love with design and obviously pizza's easy to fall in love with <laughs> you know, like uh you know how did you if you could just fill us all in
1: all right well, we're gonna go in the time machine now so um let's see i've been i've been yeah. <laughs> so I've been drawing since man, I could lift a crayon. This would have been like back in kindergarten. I remember drawing this dragon out of neon crayons and you know, to me it was the coolest thing ever and I was hooked. But uh growing up I was I was really bullied and I was picked on and tormented a lot like at home with older brothers and then school. So I kept drawing to myself. I was a closet artist till about the age of twenty, twenty one when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Cause I didn't want to give someone more uh, firepower to like hurt me again. So I just kept the sketchbook glued to my side and I didn't share it with anyone. And then finally, you know, in college, I had a good friend of mine, Tyson, he stumbled across my stack of sketchbooks and, you know, he started flipping through them and he, he peer pressured me like every day to go and post this stuff on Facebook. Facebook was like the big thing back in, you know, this would have been like 2006 to 2008 is this range that, you know, I got sharing work. And that was the hardest thing ever was sharing work online, putting myself out there. At the same time, that's what like really changed my life, changed my perspective. And I started sharing my work more. I fell, I stumbled into Instagram around when hand lettering was popping off in 2014. Shortly after that, I started Perspective Collective after this side hustle t-shirt business I was running for four years went down. Um, been hustling the, the, the day job and hustling Perspective Collective since 2014 and just... Um, it's the art. I felt like I had more to share. I feel like we all have more to share than just a polished Instagram drawing. And I had a message to share and I have a coaching background in American football. And, you know, I, I wanted to encourage and pick up my peers. So I started blogging in 2015. Then that led to speaking in 2016 that led to teaching workshops. And then it all has led me to doing the podcast right now, which is the perspective podcast by perspective collective super um clever right but um essentially it's just creative fuel for your mind and grind it's a blend of creative personal development and getting your mind right with the craft as well and hopefully monetizing the same three things that you like to hit and i think we're kind of on the same wavelength. but that's that's the skinny of the whole backstory
0: yeah no i think like you said it's it's um i think uh, i've noticed people love to have that thing if they love to have it on while they're working and i think like you said if you can be balancing kind of I guess inner confidence and being more sort of keen to put your work out there and believing in yourself with the sort of monetary element and the sort of creative and crafting yourself. I think these are all like I said, they're all big things I'd want to hit because they seem to be the three main areas that creative people struggle with. But um, that's something. It's really good that you you kept sketching all those years despite you know having to overcome quite tough. You know, like it's not easy, is it? Because if, if you know people are around. And they can sense the fear of you're hiding. Maybe you'll get like a diary. It's mm-hmm. like this awful thing. Well, I'm so
1: a. I'm I'm sorry. Go on.
0: No, no. So, so what kept you going? Like, what was it that you? Why did you keep drawing?
1: So for me, it was always an escape, and oh. and today it's still escape. It's it's therapeutic. But I would say the biggest thing that I've learned over two big things that I've learned over you know the last couple of years, I, I had some realization, an epiphany was adversity and the things you're scared of, you know, fear, fear and adversity. Those are like your biggest secret weapons that you don't know you have. Like a lot of people let adversity, you know, knock them off course or self doubt or something big happen in your life. It it discourages you when really adversity, looking back on it, all those low moments of my life, those rock bottoms are really springboards to help me to get to where I am. And then fear, you know, putting myself out there fearing that someone was going to judge me, which I've dealt with my far fair share of trolls and haters. But at the same time, like you can make an impact with someone with your work. And so for me, it's been seeking out those things that scared me sharing my artwork scared me and it helped me grow. Then Mm -hmm. sharing my, my thoughts, my words and my message through blogging scared me, terrified me. And it then unlocked a whole new world. Same thing with speaking, same thing with the podcast, everything that really scared me. And I threw myself into the fire has, you know, help me unlock this next level in life. And, you know, that's that's the main thing I would encourage anyone to do is find the things that scare you and use your adversity as part of your story.
0: Yeah, so it's that thing of um, almost, it's always, it's always, it's very stoic, isn't it? To see the opportunity and things, but that thing of if, if it scares you, then that's a good indication that maybe you should be pushing to do it because what is through the other side is worth, will be worth it, even if you don't know quite what that is at the moment.
1: Yeah, I feel for me, I I really believe fear is like our intuition. It's like nudging us towards the person we're supposed to become. But a lot Mm -hmm. of times we're too scared to lean into that fear. So it's very, um, overused and overplayed face your fears. But I really believe that element of, you know, basically the thing I feel you're afraid of is where you're going to deliver the most powerful value to people and make an impact. And I I, I like positivity and I like making impact because I try to create something that, the person who I was five, six years ago, who was super lost, I try to create something that that person needed at that time that I was searching yeah. for, and I didn't know I needed. So that's the content I try to create today.
0: And so, when you say like a, a while ago, when you were feeling lost, can you? What was that like? I mean, because I mean, I'm interested to to try and find out a bit more of that the, the the switch you went to in order to kind of to to find the toughness to break through the fear. So when you say you were feeling lost and you needed sort of some sort of insight or guidance, what was that like?
1: So to me, it's been seasons. Like it's never just 100% always feeling great and killing it in the zone. But when I graduated from college in 2010, like I couldn't get a job anywhere. And I spent three years trying to get hired. And so that was a really rock bottom time for me. And that's when I ended up discovering Perspective Collective. It pulled me out of that slump. But back in 2017, I hit another big slump, you know, a creative depressed funk. And for me, these have all just been like the adversities that at the moment it sucked. But looking back on it, it was like something, you know, gave me a tougher skin. I I saw a silver lining or I saw how I can handle something better now or, you know, adversity this way or something shifts a different shifting paradigm in my mind of how I see things in life or how I'm not needing the oxygen of affirmations and validation and likes and all that stuff to feel self-worth in my work, in my identity. Some mm. little things
0: like that. I think that's that's particularly huge. I know when I talk to my daughter, it's that thing of um, try, like you say, feeling self worth in arbitrary, vanity metrics, which are yep. kind of out of your control. Yet we all know that they are engineered to be completely addictive to our minds. It's like you can't help True. but but judge it. It's, and I've noticed um, it's kind of more reassuring because I did that thing of I went on Instagram and I got really into it and I was building up the following, but it was kind of. A little bit pointless because I really wanted the engagement, and it's very hard to scale that. And I think the slow and steady approach is certainly something. Is certainly something I'm seeing is more. Uh, it's more attainable, and I think it's more successful and much more rewarding. Um, so it's interesting you say that when you make that switch to going. Well, I, I'm not going to go on random vanity metrics. I'm going to go on engagement and just you know it's very big at the moment. The 1,000 true fans and yeah, so Seth, true with Seth Godin's book out. Um, finding your true audience. I think that's a really good message to hammer home. And I've had a several guests on who've had a similar thing of kind of the engagement and the small community is far more worthwhile and something to much more you know something to achieve um, than the big glamorous you know thousands and thousands of followers sort of thing.
1: Well, I think that slow and steady grind of m- making one fan at a time. Mm. For me, it used to be about go more about width, but now it's more about depth. You know, if I can connect with one person at a time, if someone has the time to reach out to me, thank me for like a podcast episode or reach out, like I want to make sure I'm engaging with them and not necessarily to use them for a future, a future purchase. But I I want, I want to engage back with people who take the time to engage with me. And I've learned like that is what really builds that a thousand true fans. And Mm. and if you want to sell and monetize your business, it's all built on no like and trust. So if I continue to give value, give value, give value, and, you know, make sure I'm I'm sharing knowledge and helping other people get to their next step in their life. You know, they're more likely to know, like, and trust and eventually support something that I put out, whether it's a course or a product or a, a, something silly as a coffee mug, because they found the story behind it valuable and it resonates uh-huh. with them. So, go for depth in one person at a time, instead of worrying about Expanding as many people as possible and getting your message out there. Because if you're trying to make something or create something that resonates with everyone, it's really hard to land on the right person at a time. And all it takes is one person at a time to build that loyal tribe.
0: Mm, I think yes, yeah, so it's counterintuitive, isn't it? You try and get as many as possible, but your messaging is just watered down. Yeah, and people sense it. And like I said, it doesn't. It's, it doesn't take much to just respond to a comment, but you build. Uh, sorry, what that word what was? It? But you build that loyalty which is much more like there's a much longer thing. And I've noticed that um, you mentioned your, your mugs. I love your mugs with the sort of space cat on <laughs> Thank it. Thank <laughs> you.
1: Looking at them right now. It's fun.
0: Yeah, they're fantastic. So t- Tell me a little bit more because I think th- that was one of the other reasons. I-, I wanted to talk to you about the podcast and some of the guests you've had, but I've been really impressed by the amount of merchandise that you've been able to put out or you've found a way of repurposing stuff you've already been doing it and turning that into stickers, badges, that kind of thing. So, can you? So how did you first sort of uh, float the idea of doing mugs and things like that?
1: Um, I, I'm a big coffee person. Like, I I love black coffee. I'm I get a little fancy around the holidays and have some peppermint creamer in there. Switch it up. But um, for me, I used to think I had to create what I what other people. I thought other people wanted to see instead of doing the things that I really enjoy. The embracing my weird quirks of I love pizza. I love cats. I love coffee. I'm a obsessed with outer space. I got like 15 outer space related items around me. And so I just started drawing silly things. Like it was national pizza day and I have two cats that I love and I drew space cat. I went home on lunch real quick. I had an idea in my head and I just took a quick time last video of me drawing this cat in space, trying to hunt down pizza. And little did I know like that drawing would like get really good engagement. And then, you know, I I listened to when people are like, oh man, that would make a killer print or that would make a killer sticker. I listened to it and, you know, listening to your audience is huge and put out sticker packs, put out this and they kept selling well. And I'm like, okay, this pizza cat thing, you know, maybe there's something with it. And then I got contacted by um, a pottery company that's just north of me in Minnesota. And they've been doing hand thrown mugs for a long time. And they hit me up about a possible collaboration. And I just went with it, something different. And they're super unique coffee mugs and, then everything just kind of took off from there. And now I've just been slaying really more premium collector coffee mugs because, you know, there's huge coffee communities. I've tapped into those, built the relationships, plus the podcast listeners. And yeah, combining all those weird things that I love, pizza, outer space, cats, and coffee, you know, embrace your weird quirks, wave your freak flag, because, you know, that's going to encourage other people who aren't comfortable with their weird quirks to see, like someone else is doing it. Like I can do this too.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, it's not your average story, the old uh, classic space cat pizza mug story. We've heard it all before. It's, uh, but I said that I I really like what you said about uh, obviously waving your freak flag and being confident enough to be kind of, this is what I'm into. And I think people, even if they don't go, well, I'm, I'm a dog person, for example, or something like that. But I love the fact you're prepared to sort of stand for what you believe in. And you said something about listening to your audience, which I think is a really good insight as well, isn't it? If something's working, it's kind of stop and go, to no, know people are responding to that. You need to probably follow that mm-hmm. rather than just sort of going, oh, that's nice and moving on. And I've made that mistake before where you do something people seem to like and you go, and you just go, oh, great. And just do something else completely. You go, what are you doing?
1: I think there's a fine line too. Like if you create something that someone else really likes, but you really didn't enjoy the process or it just felt empty to you, but people mm-hmm. responded to it, but it doesn't feel right to you, I wouldn't say go and pursue more to get those that, that same feeling, that same engagement, it's that fine line. If you could find that, that sweet spot of creating something that you love that you enjoy, and then there's a market for it, there's engagement for it, or there's like a problem that your style or product or whatever you're creating solves it. Then I think that's like the perfect sweet spot to be in. So I would say kind of listen to your gut and if you really enjoy it and it's, you know, performing really well then then tap into it, continue to tap into it. But I've made the mistake on both ends of not listening and then made the mistake of I didn't enjoy what I was doing and I catered to the audience and then I just felt empty.
0: Yes, yes. Like I say, if, if you go down that route, you you know you've got to do more of it so you, you want to like it. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. I see a
1: lot of people don't. They just, what should I make next? And they ask their audience what they
0: should make. I'm like, do what you want to do. Yes, I think it's probably, it's it's a longer-term game, isn't it, you're playing? It's very much like you're... It's the slow grind that you keep mentioning. It's like, well, I know that this is slower, but what I'm building here is so much more substantial because I'm. It's it's totally genuine. You know, you you if it was a tree, you'd cut through it, and all the rings are absolutely everything that's all to do with you. It's very distinctive because there's no at no point you sort of sold out because your stuff is very unique. I've noticed that. It's, I've seen lots of hand lettering, and I've you know it's probably got started with Sean's course, and I you know I took that and was quite excited until I tried it and realized I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, well, this is okay. I'll leave it there, leave it to the experts. But your kind of, your style has evolved. And when I see the artwork for the podcast, I'm always blown away by the, the amount of time and effort you put in is extraordinary. Thank
1: you. Yeah, I, I, I take a lot of pride in weekly episode artwork and it tends to get me behind sometimes.
0: Yeah, no, but it makes a difference because I found this when I'm doing the artwork here, And you go, yeah, I'll do an artwork for every episode. And then you're like, oh my God, what have I committed to? This is going to be, this is quite an effort. And uh, and especially when a lot of it is sort of, you know, like hand drawn. I'm like, yeah, it's very impressive. I do love your, I really enjoyed watching your Instagram stories where you've got audio playing in the background as you're sketching. They're quite powerful.
1: Awesome. Yeah. That's, I like sharing the process, showing how the sausage is made. And especially if I'm repping like a podcast sponsor like Retro Supply, it just, you know, brings them extra value and, and, I don't know. Everybody, it's a win-win for everyone.
0: Yeah. No, they're really compelling. It's, it adds a, such a whole new layer of kind of, it's like you're speaking, the, the the whatever's playing is speaking for you. It's weird. It's like an insight into like what you're really doing. I really like it. It's, I've awesome. not seen many people do it. I really like that.
1: Cool. I'll do more of it
0: because <laughs> I enjoy it and it's engaging. I'm doing more. Yeah. I've just looked at it. And thought that's a really clever thing to do because there's a, there's so many layers going on. It's more than just watching the video and it's more than a video with a funky cool track on there's like there's there's added meaning it's deliberate like i'm i'm saying either you're listening for something which is really insightful or it, there's something there's there's hidden messages there which i thought were really nice so i enjoy those i'm glad you noticed yes yes <laughs> and so with um with the podcast you just hit 100 episodes and uh, so how's that been like kind of sustaining that and who's so you've had some really good guests on haven't you i think um i, I listen you've got the hoods for girls on who I, I i'm hoping to have on eventually myself and some really big heavy people on there um
1: man it's a it's been a trip because i in my mind i'm still like small town iowa boy and like how the hell am i qualified to like talk to these people but for me relationships i realize it's not what you know it is who you know and yeah. i didn't know anyone so i just like got out of my little bubble, got uncomfortable, went to conferences. That's where I met like Ian Barnard, uh, Dustin yeah. Lee from Retro Supply. So it's like I went out and I had to find my people and mm. I, I'm, I'm big on giving. If I can give someone value, that's cool. I'm not going into something like how can I take something away? So pretty much everybody who I've had on the show is someone I tried to give to first. I want to establish that relationship before I give that ask. And then when I yes. give the ask, how in turn can I then – um send my audience your way to support you or whatever you're doing how can i promote you how can i you know help your cause mm. so relationships have been everything
0: yeah absolutely And, and who've i mean i don't want to put you on the spot but are there any particular guests you've enjoyed or been surprised by their story or what, when you've had them on um people like
1: lauren hahm who's a lettering juggernaut i just had stephen coons who's also a lettering juggernaut but then like the hoods twins they have a really cool story they're really good in the design field Um, I've been trying to get out of not necessarily just visual artists, but I've had people like Propaganda on. He's a big time lyrical word juggernaut and hip hop juggernaut, trying to really push different artists. I have had uh, my good friend who's a a content creator, King, who's also a videographer. He just got done being on tour with Beyonce and Jay-Z, and it's been really cool sharing his story. And his and how he's went from a slow and steady grind. He was here in Iowa making YouTube videos when he was in high school, just constantly pushing work, flew out to Los Angeles and just made it happen and seriously just created his own opportunities. And, you know, that it's it's these kind of stories of people who I see killing it out there that I I I try not to fanboy a little bit too much. And I know they're gonna provide value to my audience. And you know, I try to ask them the questions that A lot of people are thinking that a lot of people don't want to talk about so i i I try to ask about the hardships and the adversity instead of just the highlight reels because we all know the highlight reels but how did you get to those highlight reels what were the what was the adversity along the way like i'm big on adversity and it reminds people like me and my listeners that you know the people we look up to they're human as well you know if if Mm. they can get to this spot like why can't we
0: no that makes a lot of sense i think that comes back to the relatability of um when you said that people who are able to by pushing past fear, it's going to take you somewhere greater and make you more relatable to people because often they aren't able to push past the fear or they've they've felt that fear and have just backed off because it's natural. When you come up against that, because I was going to bring come on to obviously you've done speaking, which is a big one for people. What is it that was that you were able to change in those formative years to be able to accept and? and get the fear or sense it and then push through? How do you handle that? Is there a kind of, do you have a method or a system or do you kind of have just, Is it got easier the more you've done it?
1: I think putting your, I put myself in the right position to even get asked to do speaking. And that would have been just because I started blogging, you know, and for me, writing has been, I still don't consider myself a writer, but I've been writing for four years now. But that process really helped me kind of get these thoughts and ideas out of my head and Mm -hmm. work through things and figure out my story and how I can talk through how it can be more concise with my message. And then when I got offered to speak for the first time, everything in my gut told me no. At the same time, there's this little thing in the back of my head, but like, but what if I said yes? And Mm -hmm. I went with that smaller voice and kind of disregarded all the bigger voices. And that just blew up everything for me. Like that was what really helped me get to the point where I'm at today was saying yes to the call with public speaking and all the opportunities that came from that. But for me, when, when you get that opportunity, or if there's something out there you want to do, I believe doing the steps and preparing yourself along the way. So for me, I always was interested in speaking. I never thought I would do it, but me getting into something like blogging and getting my message, that's what what was leading me for that. So, you know, preparing myself in the background for this opportunity to come As opportunities Mm -hmm. and luck come to someone to one who prepares, yes, you know. And I believe I was attracting these opportunities without knowing that's what I was doing. So you know, preparation. And then when you get that opportunity, bust your ass and prepare and do everything you can. Like I, I've listened to so many books on uh, public speaking. I I got a book of Confessions of a a Public Speaker. You know, I, I went all out just so I could drop as much value and kill it my first time out. And you know, that preparation is what really. Help me out.
0: Yeah, so what was the the your first talk about? Was it just your story of how you got to where you were?
1: This would have been a talk in Alabama in front of 150 people, and I made a talk called um, "Change Your Perspective: The Four Pillars to Creating Your Own World." Basically, I talked about like um, you know controlling the things you can control in life, and you know, kind of like the hustle and the grit. And if you have a day job, you know, this is the time of the day you need to find those pockets of time to schedule your success and. Um, kind of stop giving into your excuses. Little things like that, facing your fears. So that was kind of like the four pillars. It's been a while. I can't repeat them all in the the correct order, but you know, it's kind of like
0: that. Yeah, no, that makes sense because I I think I saw some pictures of you on stage, and I was like, oh my god, that looks. It was
1: very quiet. uncomfortable, very. Un- yeah. And then that talk went so well that I got asked in like three weeks later to be an alternate, kind of a last second fill in for a huge conference called Creative Cells. So. And under a month I went and gave my second talk in front of 800 people. So it was like, bang, bang. It just kind of took off from there.
0: And have you done many since? Or are they the sort of big two and now you're focusing on other things? Or is it just something you do when you're asked?
1: I've kind of just been hitting the circuit of creative conferences around here. I do like AIGA chapters for those who know about those. Um, I, I speak a lot of local events too. And I've switched it up and done like speaking at like entrepreneur conferences and stuff as well. Just really trying mm-hmm. to get it out there. And the more I keep doing the podcast, the more these opportunities come.
0: And and do you, what would you say for those people who are looking to look, go down that road? What are the key things of so preparation is obviously key? Do you work on? The reason why I ask is ages ago, I was working with uh, Football Academy. And one of my recommendations uh, was having been a coach. I know what it's like to sort of with your body language and have to control a bunch of guys yep. that they don't want to know. And I've had that, it's windy and you shout and your voice goes, and it's very hard to come back from that. But I was very much kind of interested. I recommended to them that they should go and speak to stand-ups and to barristers, because this whole thing of they have to have presence and they have to learn how to speak properly and where from. And obviously, I know I'm interested in your sort of sporting background and my very limited knowledge, of uh, coaches, but did you find that was beneficial? That kind of, there must have been some sort of overlap there.
1: there. There definitely was, especially because like, I was all I was always striving to be like a captain in sports, you know, I like that I always gravitated towards some type of leadership role and then when I got I blew my back out twice playing college football and so I got into coaching at a young age and you know I really saw how presence and I've had some really bad coaches in the past that really just try to tear you down and strip you from confidence so I realized like hey, you know, I can get more out of people if I build them up first and then Be like, hey, but this is an area you could really work on. So I I learned these different psychological ways to get responses out of people. And then what really helped me and what I resonate with is when people are vulnerable and relatable with their story Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: they kind of take away the fake social media persona. So for me, I'm all about kind of just sharing my backstory, the, the pitfalls, the downfalls, the struggles. And I felt that's what related most to the people I was trying to target. So I spoke, I I learned how to speak to pain points and throw myself in the situation and show how that transformation is possible. And then the stage presence and being concise with my thoughts and having my timing down and having visuals to really emphasize my point, you know, and when less is more in certain parts and when a certain moment needs silence so people can just like let it wash over them. And call to actions, and introductions, and the hook, and the landing, the plane, and your conclusion. I like to teach people how to craft and deliver killer talks too. So, public speaking is a powerful thing.
0: Yes, I might be. uh, I might hit you up for (laughs) for some tips on that anyway, because I did. um, It's always one of those things. I was always interested in it, Uh, and having worked with like TEDx and stuff, and you see the amount of work that goes into. Oh, it's insane! It is crazy. It's a science. It is
1: precise, and it's a science to how they build a talk.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. I bought um, a couple of books on it. Uh, Is it by Nancy Duarte? Yep. Uh, Illuminate, and I bought them, and that's my kind of reading I'm going to be doing over Christmas. But when she talks about the structure and the pulling and widening the gap, it's like, oh, my God, I never knew.
1: Confessions of a Public Speaker would be my hands-down best book I would ever tell anybody to get first. That one's one's incredible, and you'll learn so much about preparation and reaching out to your venues, the questions you need to ask, things that you never think you need to prepare for. Like that book – set me up for so much success and then i read all the other ones like tedx nancy duarte slides the one you mentioned and yeah oh well it's a, wow. no, it's a that's whole new
0: world well. man yeah no, i'm gonna get into that because i think um i did the heroic public speaking course with michael port and thought that was quite good cool but i know that it's one of those ones i spoke to a lady who she did her first talk and she said yeah she got like 50 percent of her leads for the year came from that one talk it was just like it's, it's crazy And it made me think, yeah, do you know what? I should probably be doing this.
1: Well, even if it's not public speaking, like we all have something to share. We all have a story. Your story is your most powerful asset, in my opinion. Mm. And that's the best way you can connect with people and Mm. make an impact on people. So if you have something to share or you you got something that a message you want to put out into the world or speak up for people who can't speak up for themselves, like do it. Do it, especially yeah. if it
0: scares you, then you definitely need to get your ass doing that right now. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because I do like the concept of moving toward the fear and pushing through it um, because I think that's difficult for people. And I think that, like you say, it's that's part of, it makes your story more interesting and how more opportunities come. And that's a lot of people are kind of stuck with, I'm struggling for clients or like, I'm just not picking nothing. I'm reaching this plateau. So I think that's a really good thing of, well, look, one at one, lean into something else? Try it because you're going to learn a lot. It's going to test you. And you mentioned when you sort of people reach out to you and you mentor them, what type of things, if 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 I was to kind of to throw it back and say, what are the main things that you would recommend as far as, so I guess with, with, with my audience, I would say it ranges from and what I'm aiming to reach is people who quite fancy coming into freelancing. So it's very much a creative pursuit, whether that's writing, photography, design, lettering, All the way up to people that are looking to kind of grow into their own studio, like launch their own business. And that's what we're teaching all the way along. But I would be really interested to kind of a lot of what I started out was was very much the foundation of asking, you know, is this something you're going to be able to do? And and you need the three things I was 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 patience, tenacity and consistency were the big things I was very much kind of you have to have those things standard. So if I was to ask you, kind of, what what advice would you give to people who are kind of either freelancing or struggling a little bit, and what helped you?
1: Honestly, I feel like you just said the three things that totally I feel I would build my foundation on. They're t- they're they're timeless principles that you know will help you win and succeed in everything. Like I I believe in showing up, and that's being consistent, doing things when they're not convenient, when when it's not easy to get up at five a.m. But you gotta get a podcast ready. You gotta you know, write an outline, you got to get episode artwork done or anything like that. It's doing things when they're not convenient and doing them over and over and over again over time. Like, I think that says a lot. And again, that, that, that grit, that tenacity, as you say, perseverance and keep showing up that to me, that's, that's the key to all of it. And having fun and making sure you're having fun. If it's not fun, then you need to figure out, you need to pivot.
0: Yes, that makes sense. But I think the um, it's so important to show up. So, but it's really difficult. Like I said, it's you. I mean, people. We were talking a bit earlier about your schedule, and you're up. What would you? Was it four four thirty?
1: Four thirty would be like on a perfect day. That's when I ideally would try to get up. So that way, I'm like downstairs, did my little routine, drink my glass of water, and my five minute meditation to set my intentions for the day. And then I hit the ground running right at five to, you know take care of the biggest task of the day that needs to get done
0: yeah and then after that what is the day so you you, then you you head off to work and you've got to be in work is that right
1: yep i'll hit up the day job 7 a.m web design ux ui for those who don't know um then you get two 10 minute breaks in the day and that's when i'll maybe do some kind of social media or i'll work on episode artwork and then lunch you know if i'm not home helping out the wife and little scotty i'm working on something else
0: and that's important to understand because it's, it, like you said, it's the structure and the discipline and kind of everything has its place. Like I, lo- I like the fact you said that I tackle the, the thing that has to be done, which I've heard my business coach mention eating the frog.
1: Eating the frog. Yep, that, yeah, uh, Tracy Morgan. Or not Tracy yes. Morgan, Brian Tracy. <laughs>
0: that's Tracy it. Morgan, that's, that's comedian. Wow.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Wrong person. Don't look that up.
0: <laughs> no, exactly. You're going to rabbit hole. But it but that thing is big though, isn't it? It's kind of it's very easy. I think it also I have a slight kind of resentment towards the companies that um kind of want you to create lots of lists and write lots of goals down with completely undervaluing how bloody hard it's gonna to be to even hit two or three things off this massive to do list. It's addictive writing these goals and these passion planners and these kind of things, but Without that hard work, uh, it's not going to happen. And I think that's a that's a massive tip. The biggest nastiest thing.
1: It's one big one big thing a day. If you can take Mm. care of one thing a day, and over time, that's really going to build a lot of momentum. You know, and and for me, I list like my. I think I got this. It's like an A one, A one steak sauce method. So like for me, I make a list of week the things I need to get done, and then I put them in like a categories b categories and c categories and d means they're irrelevant c means it's okay b is somewhat urgent a was are like these need to get done and then i letter them from a1 a2 a3 and each day that a category will be the thing i tackle in the morning
0: oh wow that's really nice
1: if that makes sense so yeah but but a that a category is the frog that needs to be eaten oh wow that's in,
0: that's really nice i like that because it's always um like you say, it's an order of preference, but like you said, you're allocating days to get them done. And it's kind of like, I know that if I'm planning, so there's a nice balance of I'm planning, but not too far in advance. And I'm making sure I'm hitting things off, which is really good. Mm -hmm. And and that's what
1: works for me. I'm not saying it's a one size fit all for everyone, but that's what really helps me with my structure, especially with the day job. Like I have to be strategic. I can't wing it. I used to wing it in the past and I wonder why I wasn't seeing results.
0: So like you said the structure i think that's the key to anything isn't it whether it's if you're trying to either lose weight or bulk up or get better and it's the coaching thing again it's the sports analogy of like you've got to put the time in to do the training to do it properly and eat right and sleep right and do all those things
1: self self self-help is is good too i people i talk about the hustle too but i don't want it to be like from a gary v standpoint of don't get sleep don't do this like i go to bed somewhat early if i can if if i'm not up in the middle of the night with little scotty or you know i go to the gym when i get off hmm. work so i'm making sure i'm taking care of myself at the same time it's not the only thing that matters is grinding outside of the day job you know i, I try to be available for friends and family and you know i i, I want to have that balance as best as i can even though i am obsessive over my dream i
0: totally understand yeah. that but I th- i think do you find that when you not that you would get depressed but when people I think there's always that thing of there's always self doubt. And I deal, when I deal with a lot of people, they always question their ability, they have imposter syndrome or how much they should be quoting. There's a huge amount of self doubt. And I think that's a real killer to momentum, you know, and it's very mental. So do you find having a structure to fall back on kind of helps ground you? Cause it's like if I, even if I'm not up for it, I'm tired or I don't fancy it or I'm a bit low, how do you overcome those things?
1: Well, I'll be completely honest. I deal with self doubt every day. every day, I still feel like an imposter putting hidden play and then pushing publish into the world every and and growing up with being bullied and tormented like that I still have that that little fourth grader who was tormented still lives within me and tries to tear me down. so it's about silencing the inner critic and you know it it boils down to do you have something to say? Do you believe in what you're doing? Do you have fun with it? Like for me, I believe I have something to say that can make an impact on someone else and knowing that is what helps me get through, you know, the moments where I'm like, dude, you're such a phony, you're an imposter. And then hearing that it makes an impact. So like if, if you appreciate what you're hearing or somebody's made an impact on you, people appreciate being appreciated. So like go out of your way because you have no idea if, if I'm just feeling like crap one day, especially if I had like a, a horrible hater just like trying to get in my head or leaving a nasty comment. But then out of nowhere I get an email of just someone saying this episode really made an impact on them. Like that That can really, you know, breathe some life back into mm. me. So, you know, it. sometimes you got to be able to pick yourself up and believe in yourself, but it really helps when other people like express their belief and appreciation for you yeah, too. Yeah, and
0: it's so easy to do. And I think it's that thing of – um. It's like I was in a coffee shop and I noticed that I went to Starbucks and it was dead and the staff were rubbish. And I went to this other one and it was packed and it's because the lady who runs it is really passionate. She has the same team. And I said, you're doing an amazing job. I'm really impressed. You know, I I used to run a hotel. I know how difficult it is. But it was that thing of I didn't want to just tell her. I made an effort to contact head office because it's that thing of, I thought, you're standing at the counter and said, do I tell her? Yes, I will do. But actually, how do I help her? I'm going to go a bit further. So I think that's really important because we've all had those nasty reviews and it's really odd how w- you can get 10 great reviews and then one is like just really niggly. But I do think it's kind yeah. of, um, I think that's a really nice message and I think that's really important to t- if you're enjoying what people are doing, um, don't assume that they're all perfect and they're living a great life. Sometimes just little, little thank you goes a huge way. Like it, f- it feels, oh, like- man, it goes a long yeah, way. I've had that before with people where, um, they've, I've spoken to them is kind of, Uh, they always show up when I'm teaching or they always reply to comments. And it's that thing of they're the fuel and they're the people that you go, yeah, you keep me wanting to keep going. So I just want to say like, it it doesn't go unseen. I notice it all and I'm very appreciative. It
1: it, it starts inside first. You got to be self-driven. Like you can't rely on other people to motivate you, but you know, if you can light your own fire and then being peppered with comments and the affirmations outside, like that just is extra fuel, you know, to, to keep it burning even stronger. So you know, but it starts internal. Yes, absolutely,
0: I think that's really good. I think um, if there was, so what I would be keen to do um, would be so that people can follow you and stay up to date and and see what you're up to. So what would be, I'll post all the links in the show notes, but if people want to follow you, so you've got your, there's the perspective collective on Instagram. That's your personal feed. Is that right?
1: Mm-hmm. That'd be my personal feed. That's where I share our little pick me ups, pep talks. I share my process. Um, you can see the podcast artwork there too, but it's kind of just everything that lives under that umbrella. You'll see videos of the pizza I'm eating, the coffee mug that I'm using that day. You'll see pictures of my cats on the stories and you'll see more the human behind the brand on that. Um, but then perspective podcast is all podcast okay. related, you know, that's where the episode artwork lives. That's where i'm sharing people who get inspired by the show I, I give them prompts to create work if you create something that inspired you i'll reshare your work give you a little feature and show you some public love but you know that's that's the two places or perspectivecollective.com, perspective dash collective.com or perspective podcast okay
0: and i think and i would i would encourage people to to follow those for and i said it in the beginning it's several reasons it's a combination of watch what you're doing and what you're saying so i think that people can learn a lot from how you're repurposing and sharing your content, because from a technical sort of strategic point of view, it's very clever and it's very effective. There's a lot of um, cross-pollination. You're sharing it with people. You're encouraging people to submit things. You're tagging people, but also you're documenting the process. You're, you know, showing fine artwork. You're showcasing good guests. So I think all of that, for if you they were to analyse what you do, there's a huge amount to learn. Like I said, I your stories with the audio is a little thing I don't see from anyone else but it's really powerful because it gives it so much more gravitas than it would do if it's just background noise Um, and I also think your messaging and how open you are and how transparent and how you reinforce the importance of just grinding and being patient and being kind and you know and, and also you're very generous at giving back so I do think it is the content itself is really good fuel to keep going sort of thing and you've got the podcast as well so
1: Thank you. I, I wanna, I wanna just be a, a vessel to serve people. I wanna, I wanna help people out. Like that's, you know, that that lights me up. And I believe good things come back around to you. So, you know, and they can go and pass whatever they learn from me onto the next person. So, you know, keep it going. There's so much negativity in this world. I'd rather be a part of the solution than a part of the yeah. problem. And I'm just putting some good art in the world behind. No, it no,
0: dude, you're doing a fantastic job. Like I said, I've been watching and admiring for a long time, and it's just, it started to really kickoff for you i don't know whether you're, you're probably in it but it like so i can really see some real traction coming along and that's why i wanted to get you on Thanks, you know, man. Like, like, one of my top people i wanted to bring on early on so thank you for taking the time i know it's uh we've managed to get this sorted and it's on the weekend so i really appreciate it
1: of course man i feel something big is around the high something big is on the horizon man i, I feel it and just
0: keep yeah, showing up absolutely i love that message so i'll let you get back to your family and say thank you very much and uh Yeah, thank you. Cool, man. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate your time.